So we're just going to start talking. And of course, the whole book, the, this is, um, you know, Think for a Change, episode two. I love the name. Do you like the, yes. love the name? I appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, I, I brainstormed that with John. But uh, we're going to talk about Greed Aspen style. This really germinated from Joey's um, comment on episode one, um, where we uh, were talking about um, Lift 1A, where there might or might not be some greed involved at some level. Um, and we thought it would be good to dedicate a whole episode to the idea of, you know, what is Aspen the kind of place where greed is a more acute problem than it is elsewhere? Is there, uh, how does it affect our community? Um, uh, and what can we do about it as a community? So, you know, I just think it's really interesting. Um, and, and Roger Merle, you mentioned Roger Merle, he was on episode one. He had an interesting column, his, his most recent column, where he was kind of doing a long-term assessment of the value of an, a real estate investment in Aspen. And he kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, if you'd have bought a house in Aspen in 1950 and owned it till today, you probably would have been better off just buying the index of the S&P 500. You probably would have actually made more money than, than a house in Aspen. And so, so what is it about, and you don't think about that. I think you think, you know, boy, if I could have just, you know, if my parents would have just bought a house in Aspen in 1965, you know, and held on to it, I'd, I'd be on easy street right now, right? But, um, uh, but according to Roger, that would have netted you somewhere between 5 and 6%, I think. I think the S&P um, between um, stock growth and distributions is like averages about 7% over like the last yeah. 50 years, something like that. So I thought that was interesting. Um, but, I'd rather uh, have the house in Aspen, frankly. Yeah, you'd rather have the house in <laughs> then Aspen. The, the extra, than the, the extra 2%. Then the index fund. The extra 2%. Right. <laughs> and I want someone to tell me if that's true moving forward so I know where to invest. <laughs> where you invest, well, that's it, right? You know, if you, uh, if you know that. So, so is that a greedy statement? To say that is, are you being greedy when you say that? Are you just looking at your own interest? It's just, I mean, you're not a. You're, I don't think you're a greedy person. We'll I'm just, find out. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think you have to separate out a desire, like ambition, from greed. Mm -hmm. I like how you've you've identified greed as something that uh, gets to excess. You went beyond what would be good for you, what would be good for others, and mm -hmm. I think that no, I think wanting to better yourself isn't in itself greedy. Okay. Okay, Joey. Well, I, what I, when you were doing the intro, I was thinking we always relate greed with money. It doesn't always have to be about money either. You could be greedy about a lot of things that have right. nothing to do with finance. Right. And you could be greedy with your time. You could be greedy with a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I found fascinating is what else could we be greedy about besides U.S. currency? Right. Which is what it's usually related to uh -huh. is money. Uh -huh. But, um, you know, I think we could be greedy with, for example, in the case of Aspen, might be the entrance to Aspen. We, we're very greedy or protective of the entrance and our environments. Let's seal this place off so no one else could get to it. Now, I'm not advocating one way or the other. Right. I'm just using this as an example. Right. Well, so it's a real-life example. Is that an example of greed? Let's put up a close for business sign, and we'll right. do that by making it very difficult to get here. So that, that could be a form of greed. Right. And I think there is a lot of examples of that right here that have nothing to do with currency. So that's, that's almost like a collective selfishness, something like that? Or like, you know, I'm the last one in and let's just close the door behind me and NIMBY. let's kind of free, freeze it yeah. in time? 
kind of a thing? Because, I mean, I've seen that other places I've lived as well. Um, you know, I lived in a little town in Washington State called the town of Stillicum, Washington. And it's a, um, it's a little New England cottage on Puget Sound, basically. It was, it was platted by a couple of main shipping magnates back in the 1800s, literally. And it looks like a little New England fishing village right on, right on Puget Sound. And it's become kind of a roost because you look out over Puget Sound at um, the Olympic Mountains in the background and Fox Island and Anderson Island in front of you. And if you remember several years ago, they had the, one of the big golf tournaments out uh, in that area um, at, at the, the Pierce County um, golf course out there. And it was widely panned as a terrible course, but they had all these beautiful views. And that's where, that's where I lived. And, school out there. And the same kind of a thing. People didn't want anything to change. And people and you'd have battles between neighbors over trees. You know, you know, Joe's tree is grown three feet and now it's blocking my view of the mountain. And and the town should require Joe to cut his tree down. You know, that happens. Someone here. in Hunter Creek. That actually happens here. In the, yeah. in the dark of night, went yeah. and cut down some trees that had, over time, blocked their view of Aspen right. Mountain. And that's right. local. So that yeah. would be my other question for you, I guess, when you talk about is anything particular in Aspen about greed? Who who do you mean by the the people of Aspen? Because I do think there's a there's a reputation for Aspen that has almost nothing to do with Aspenites. Um, I think you're right about that. The, I mean, the, you know, we can go back to kind of the central element, which is probably real estate. Okay. You know, because it's supply and demand. There's never going to be enough real estate in Aspen to satisfy the demand for people who, if they could afford it, would move here. Would live here, you think? That, that's said a lot, but I'm actually not convinced. Well, would either live here or have a second home. Here. So that's who already has taken up all the real estate, of course. Yeah. But I don't, I think that, like, well, we have to make it hard or else everyone would live here, is a very untrue statement. Mm -hmm. There's so many things you get from so many other parts of this country and this world that you can't get here. So I don't think just saying, if you build it, they will come is true. You're not taking into consideration so many other things about what a family looks like or what uh, occupations look like, what's rewarding to mm -hmm. most of the rest of the population. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I'm not... I'm not Totally well, there's there are a lot of other places. It's not an exclusive characteristic of Aspen, but I think it's very clearly part of Aspen. Um, and anyway, Joe, what do you think? I forgot where we were. I mean, <laughs> so, we kind of went so, off track there for a minute, but no. Well, I, the, well, the premise I, I, is I the premise was everybody would move here if they could. Yeah, and I don't. And I'm Allison is saying that no. Either. That would. I think everyone crazy. would own a house. Who wouldn't, right? I, well, but you could say that about San Diego. Yeah, yeah. Who, Who would want to live visit, in San Diego? It, essentially, is what sure. you're saying. You know, I think we could name that about a, a, a lot of cities. So that's not so unique. Is greed exclusive to Aspen? Hell no. Right. Is you know we also have to look at the other side of the coin. We're talking about greed and currency and properties and things like that, you know, let's not spend too much time knocking around Aspenites. There's also a lot of benevolence in Aspen. There's an incredible amount of people that give up a lot of time mm -hmm. and a lot of money to help other people out. Mm -hmm. They just, That's true. It, but it is funny how the greedy stand out over the people that are out there raising funds. And, you know, to the point of Aspen is, I think when you move, when we moved here, you did give up a lot yeah. to live here. You did work. You, you did uh, work hard to get a mm -hmm. little piece of the pie. And, you know, you had prompted me in another conversation about this is, you know, in, in my profession, 
Mm -hmm. I've seen in 35 years as a police officer in this hamlet mm -hmm. a lot of people who who see wealth, see greed, see mm -hmm. money, and want to attain it. And when they can't attain it, the consequences for them are dire. You feel less than yourself because you're not as rich as everything that's around mm -hmm. you. You don't feel good about yourself. You feel like you're almost a failure. Um, right. We've seen a lot of people take advantage of wealthy people. Yes. And I've also seen on a very negative downside a lot of people who desire wealth so much that when they can't get it, it ends up in a suicide. Or they're so so far in debt from trying to keep up with people that we cannot keep up with. Right. Or at least even the community's perception. Mm -hmm. Right. And it ends tragically. And as I was walking in here today, I thought about one of the first cases I ever thought of in 1988 or 9, uh, Boogies was, uh, uh, had a bookkeeper mm -hmm. who took hundreds of thousands of dollars from him. And that was one of the most publicized um, right. uh, cases of that. Uh -huh. And it was all in the name of keeping up. Mm. Yeah. And then I thought, how many of these really rich fat cats um, don't report that right. they've been taken advantage of because right. the worst thing in the world would be somebody like Jeff Bezos to be clipped by somebody like Allison. You know, right. it doesn't feel good, you know, to be outsmarted by somebody who, you know, probably not as savvy as you are. Right. No, I mean, we've got one of those issues kind of running to its resolution in the community now. We don't need to talk about names or anything. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but that's an ongoing issue. Um, and it does seem to be more acute here than other places that I've lived. And you see it not just with rich people or businesses, you see it in government. Garfield County Clerk's Office had it happen three times in a year, I think, or, or in a couple of years. Yeah, three. I mean, it was like it was like the cottage industry in their office for for it was it was really really unfortunate. Yeah. But it's um, also how do you how do you tell people you don't have to keep right. up? I think that's right. It's you like know, the culture. It's the culture. So right. if, if you look around and you think everyone has two snowmobiles and you only have one, how do you get that second one? But when you got here, you didn't have any. So like what taught you that you needed both? Right. You know, like, mm -hmm. and, and I don't really, I hope it's not the other, your friends and neighbors, because I, I don't think that's how we relate, like who's got what, maybe a little bit, who's got what toy. But um, yeah, I don't know where that pressure is coming from and why here more than other places. Yeah, I don't understand it either. I mean, I could understand it, you know, if your neighbor gets a new car and you, boy, I wish I could have a new car. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that that's almost a, a, a parallel. Right. Uh -huh. We're both making kind of the same amount of money and, boy, I'm really, you know, you get almost a little jealous. Allison got a new <laughs> car. And, but you're trying to catch up to yeah. billionaires. Well, and the other and the other thing about Aspen, of course, is, is I mean, talk about it's it's really kind of a first world problem here, right? I mean, you know, in terms of uh, I, in in a, in a more global sense, the question of greed is couched really against um, the masses of people who are in dire poverty, right? And and um, when you see all that, is there a um, is there a better way than our current economic systems and structures to try and help those people rise out of that poverty. You know, there's an interesting clip that we've got um, teed up over here that Jeremy can, can run for us from many years ago with uh, Phil Donahue and Milton Friedman. When you see around the globe the maldistribution of wealth, the, the desperate plight of millions of people in underdeveloped countries, 
when you see so few haves and so many have-nots, when you, when you see the greed and the concentration of power within, don't, aren't you ever, did you ever have a moment of doubt about capitalism? And whether greed's a good idea to run on? Well, first of all, tell me, is there some society you know that doesn't run on greed? You think Russia doesn't run on greed? You think China doesn't run on greed? What is greed? Of course, none of us are greedy. It's only the other fellow who's greedy. <laughs> this, the world runs on individuals pursuing their separate interests. The great achievements of civilization have not come from government bureaus. Einstein didn't construct his theory under order from a, from a, a bureaucrat. Henry Ford didn't revolutionize the automobile industry that way. In the only cases in which the masses have escaped from the kind of grinding poverty you're talking about, the only cases in recorded history are where they, where they have had capitalism and largely free trade. If you want to know where the masses are worth, worse off, worst off, it's exactly in the kinds of societies that depart from that. So that the record of history is absolutely crystal clear that there is no alternative way so far discovered of improving the lot of the ordinary people that can hold a candle to the productive activities that are unleashed by a free enterprise system. But it seems to reward not virtue as much as ability to manipulate the system. Uh, and what does reward virtue? You think the uh, communist commissar rewards virtue? You think a Hitler rewards virtue? You think, excuse me, if you'll pardon me, do you think American presidents reward virtue? Do they choose their appointees on the basis of the virtue of the people appointed or on the basis of their political clout? Is it really true that political self-interest is nobler somehow than economic self-interest? You know, I think you're taking a lot of things for granted. And just tell me where in the world you find these angels who are going to organize society for us. Well, I don't even trust you to do that. They certainly want money, but they don't, but it's not what drives them. It's not what motivates them. It's the power, mm. you know, and you see that a lot in politics, right? And it's an illusion. <laughs> power, yeah. is a, power is an illusion. That's it, interesting. Uh, I mean, you, 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 why do you say really that? I, I think it's only, it's, it's what, you, it, what you feel it is, and it's not real. Power doesn't move mountains. I mean, I mean, that's ridiculous, but, but uh, I think power is only what the person who holds the power perceives it as. It's an illusion. So, and it's, it's certainly not, temporary, right? It's not right? tangible. It's and not it's tangible. We're seeing today how temporary it might be with our president. Right. I mean, ultimate power, but right. it's an illusion. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Yeah. But yeah, politics has always confused me that someone will want to stay in power to the point that they will compromise what you know their original platform that they ran on and what they said they were going to DC to do and mm. you know just and and they make these votes so that they get reelected and to me it's always been confusing why would you want to be reelected for something you don't believe in to then go represent something you don't believe in like that I I don't understand what what that power is that could feel so good that you want to do a job that is miserable and most of the country thinks that as a whole Congress is messed up and not doing a good job. Mm -hmm. Why would you want to stay in that job all of a sudden not doing what you went there to do? Uh -huh. You know, why do people hold on? Why do, why do they compromise know. their values to get reelected? Maybe it's greed because they've, be, because of that position, they're attaining a lot of stuff, whether it's power, free stuff at the store, a great salary, recognition, being on CNN. I mean, that's maybe what they're getting out of it. Their greed, their 
getting something out of that position, even though they're selling their constituents a bill of goods. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of politicians go home and tell their constituents what they want to hear and then go back to Washington and do something different. And no one back home is really paying attention that how their congressmen and senators vote. Right. Until it gets brought to their attention. Right. And they, and of course, you know, the power of the media and the power of, um, the, you know, the power of incumbency is very great. And so yeah. once you're in that office, you know, it's really hard to root people out um, once they're in an elected office if there aren't term limits. Yeah. So, um, so that, and then you become part of that system and you start to prioritize. I remember Tom Foley, you remember, you remember Tom Foley was a congressman from Washington State back in 94. It was two years after Clinton was elected, and it was the it was kind of that um, tidal wave year when um, the Republicans took over the House of Representatives, and Foley was the Speaker of the House, and he got beat by a brand newcomer um, uh, whose name I'm not going to remember, who who said that he was going to be like only only run for three terms. You know, it's two year terms. I'm only but third year third term came, and he just kept going. I mean, I get and uh, uh, and. And Washington, that part of Washington, the Spokane area, they surrendered the speakership of the House for this guy. Um, so it was a, it's a really interesting example. And and once he got in there, you know, the 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 power of the system, and and Foley got in trouble really because he was seen as a Washington insider. His primary residence was in Washington D.C., not in Washington State. He was cozy with all kinds of lobbyists. He'd been there for a long time. And so he was he was seen as the, not really representing their interests anymore. So maybe he got what he deserved at some level. But um, but it was really interesting. Well, I hope we see that a lot in November, that a lot of Americans are going to realize that their senators and congressmen are not doing, sending, uh, doing what we sent them to Washington to do. Right. I think there's much more sunshine on a lot of these guys than there's ever been. Well, there, we'll see there, if we get turned upside down by it. Yeah, there is, and I mean, there's a lot of and there's a lot of greed there, right? I mean, greed, in, ego. Is there a difference between greed and ego? I mean, are they so similar that? Well, one kind of drives the other, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody's maybe. got an ego. Everybody's got an ego yeah. at some level. I really liked. So. I mean, what, the way you described greed earlier was like not sharing. You know, I think that is that's like a particular. Uh, trait of greed. So I don't know how much those go together. I Because again, what Friedman's trying to say is self-interest. And right. self-interest and greed need to be split up. Mm. He's, he, right. His point is only valid if you think ambition and self-interest is inherently greedy. Mm -hmm. And I think those those get peeled apart. I think not sharing, I think wanting more than you could ever spend through in, in money or ever you know use for yourself. Then we get to the greed level. But I don't mm -hmm. know that just wanting to be popular, you know, like ego, I'm not saying that's a great trait, I think it's still one of the sins, but like, you know, I don't think that in itself is mm -hmm. a, a negative. Right. But I guess the question then is how, who and how do you draw the line on what's enough? Hmm. You know, because, you know, more than one person should have, you know, preparing for this, I'm, I'm thinking about Walt Disney's daughter, who is really speaking out against Bob Iger, who's the top guy at Disney or mm -hmm. ESPN, one or the other making this exorbitant salary. Yeah, the parent company. More than the, the guy at Disney who's dressed up like Pluto makes. <laughs> and, um, you know, she said, "Why well, I, don't, I don't know what the salary is. I'm sure it's hundreds of millions of dollars. Why does one guy have to make hundreds of millions of dollars to run this company? Right. What is, then, so what is too right. much? 
You know, should no one, I, you know, I, I wrote down that, that, that there are 607 billionaires in the United States. 607. And there's only 2,600 in the world. So we have the majority of them. Mm -hmm. And how much is too much? Do you need a billion? Do you need, four, uh, Bezos is 46 billion. Why? A billion dollars <laughs> is, a, a, you spend a million dollars for a thousand years. That's a, that's a billion dollars. So, well, and it's a lot of money. There right? are like agreed upon parameters um, for nonprofits, for instance, the Charity Navigator organization. You get a rating based on how much more your executive director makes than than the lowest paid the person. Lowest. And I know there's uh, for profit companies like Ben and Jerry's and my childhood was uh -huh. known for this that their executive would never make I think ten times more, which is still so much more, but never make ten times more than the lowest paid person. So there, I think there's. People who are watching, and I don't know that the actual numbers, it, there's an obvious point when it becomes greed or not, but I think there's an agreed upon excess that some uh, watchdogs have on their list. I think it's some is indisputable, too. $46 billion. <laughs> I think so, that's a little too much. Well, that's a lot well, of well, I mean, look at How much are Bill and Melinda Gates worth now? I mean, they were, at the height of their you know, um, wealth, they were close to $100 billion, I think. And they, of course, the Gates Foundation, and they shifted a lot of their wealth over the years to that. And um, uh, they have, I mean, he's still billionaire many, many times over, right? Um, but uh, who do you trust to, to, to use that wealth more, him or the government? I mean, would you, would you really wanna want, you know, um, Elizabeth Warren or Donald Trump or, you know, somebody like that? Have forty six billion. Have taking taking that money and um, the 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 key to me is in that in that aspect is, you know, ambition has great value. It has it can leave a damaged path, but ambition has created the greatest inventions and um, developments that we've seen in in lots of different fields in medicine, in technology, and and if you. If you create a, a structure, a taxation structure that eliminates the reward for that ambition and the risk that you take, what, what is that dividing line? You know, where's it's a? I mean, if you think of it almost like an algorithm or as an or as an algebraic formula, you know, where what's the dividing line where that where that uh, where that where that lives? And, and in that video, you know, he uh, Friedman mentions Henry Ford and Einstein. They were ambitious. They weren't greedy. That's they right. were try I think they would probably have would have rather have invented the car than had ten billion dollars that they were they they wanted to achieve and mm -hmm. do something great for people so um, you know that is an interesting point and then there's a flat tax help that and where is the dividing line on that right. should should bill get the gates be paying twenty percent or thirty three percent just like we pay right and that's it flat right. I mean, it, it's, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I don't agree with that. Yeah, the, the, it's a little arrogant, I think, for the government to believe that, that their tax policies can actually create incentives to make things better. In, in most cases where they try to do things to make, you know, it seems to me as though they're, they're really running, it's like Russian roulette, they're running the, the risk of really making things worse. They might not make things worse, and maybe the economy is getting better anyway, and they can take credit for, you know, a tax cut here, making things better, or, I mean, the, the one that, that stands out in my mind is when, back in the late 80s, I think the federal government put a federal luxury tax on um, 
uh, on luxury boats. So like, um, you know, pleasure craft over a certain size. And it was like a 20% tax. It decimated the industry. There were like tens of thousands of people lost their jobs. And they ended up rolling that tax back because it, it, just, it really, really damaged an industry. And that industry, of course, is related to shipbuilding in other ways. So you're, you know, so you're basically it, it, it cut in half the number of skilled tradesmen who knew how to build boats and ships, which you know, we need even for things like national defense, right? Um, uh, and they realized it was a big mistake, and so they rolled that tax back. So, I don't think we're doing business versus government, uh, as you phrased it a moment ago. I mean, I think there's the billionaire uh, pledge, right, where Warren Buffett has gotten billionaires and millionaires to pledge half of their earnings when they die go to charity. Mm -hmm. So we're not taxing them. They still were business people and got their profits. It's going back to the community in some point. Hmm. But I also think there's... It's, it's a myth to say if all of our roads are perfectly paved and we all have health insurance and all of our uh, infants have daycare, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden Americans will be unambitious. We're not going to leave the house. We're not going to invent anything anymore because we have it so good from these socialized programs. I think part of purpose, part of being a human is to have purpose and have a job and have meaning and if you take away some of the barriers to you know you're really having the Einsteins be the scientists you're really having the Henry Fords be the auto mechanics and you're not having to decide what you do in this one life based on some of the other factors that come into not having wealth mm -hmm. then 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 you have a, a chugging along America right mm -hmm. so um, I think that comes back to our mental health issue too you know the purpose means a lot and if you come here um, and and you you find you don't have a purpose because you have three serving jobs, you know, because you came here to ski, um, you came here to be someone, you can't, whatever, and, and keeping up has led you away from purpose. I think we do have a really big problem with, with mental health and depression, and um, that I think that leads to, to some of that, so finding who you could be if only, you know. That, that's a great, that's that's a great what point. we're talking about. I love that I could be that person if only I had graduated from college or I had done whatever, but I, I don't even know if that's real. Yeah. But right. I, I do know that it does feel bad when you've got three serving jobs and you're serving the haves and you have not. It, does, it doesn't feel good. Right. It, it can't. And do you just say there for the grace of God, go, I mean, I wish I was that guy and I'm not, and just, that's what I did. I mean, or um, it, it just, uh, it, it's a tough spot to be in. And I think a lot of people in this community struggle with the have and have nots. They start to feel boxed in. Yeah, especially because the have nots are really what's holding us together. Yeah. You know? I don't have to interact with our visitors in my role as a local news reporter. A lot of my friends do, and I think I don't even know what I don't know about how good life could get if I was <laughs> greedy. <laughs> I don't know what I'm missing. I didn't know you could have six suitcases on the airplane, but I've talked to the flight attendant who gets treated like a servant when she's putting them in the overhead, you know? Right. So um, I, I, I think the exposure, you know, we talked about the culture is kind of leading to this in a way that we don't quite understand, but I think maybe the exposure to Aspen's visitors. So I don't know if there's more greed in Aspen, um, especially, again, from who are we talking about is Aspen. The locals might not be that greedy, except for now they know what they don't have. Right. That, that's true, and I actually, wherever we came from, I know where I came from, nobody lived like this. So you're right, I didn't know there was <laughs> such a thing as a 25,000 square foot right. home. A right. party home, that next to your home, just for the parties. That was the gym in our school. Yes. <laughs> that was the gym. <laughs> right. So I had no idea 
that any building could be that could big. be that big, right? And then to hear salaries and mm -hmm. worth, that's something I didn't know about. And when yeah. you're coming from Indiana, you're in the same boat. And mm -hmm. some people adjust to it, and other people probably take it as if, why aren't right. I succeeding? Right. Well, I think any place there's there's great wealth. I think things are, the elements are that the trappings and the elements around society are more acute. So, um, you know, the richer, richer. The only difference here maybe is the poor aren't poorer, right? The, although relative, relatively they might be, and we certainly do have a homeless issue, and there's a team um, starting to try and work on that here in the Upper Valley, um, and uh, and that's good because uh, the the human issues don't go away, and and the valley is certainly urbanizing, and you know a lot of people don't like that word, um, and. I don't necessarily like that word, but it's true. I mean, and you have to kind of name your issue if you're going to talk about it honestly, I think. And and, and the Roaring Fork Valley is urbanizing where we've made it easier. We've built a four-lane highway, a four-lane divided highway. You know, we've got an airport that has 35 flights a day. You can fly here from Atlanta for 235 bucks one way. You know, so um, the federal government kind of subsidizes that, by the way. You know, if you understand how airports airports work and the cost of those facilities and all that, because the because the airline industry and the aviation industry is really important, they make a lot of donations to congressmen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I still don't understand why <laughs> they know, want to keep you know, jobs. Speaking of, you, know, you start connecting the dots on these things, um, and those issues become more acute in a small place like this. Yeah. Right. And so. Um, uh, you know, and the purpose piece I think is really is really interesting and really important because obviously, I mean, there's a lot of research that shows that living a purposeful life is central, right? I mean, if you don't feel like you're, uh, um, I think you're exactly right. If you don't if you don't feel like you're living a purposeful life, it it really starts to hollow you out, um, and uh, and so is that a harder thing here than it is in other places? It sounds like you guys think it is. I have one comment. Uh, we are not living in poverty. I absolutely agree with you. There's, it's much worse off most places. We turn on the tap water. We can drink it. All that's there. But Pickens County is the highest cost burden county in the state, which means people are making trade-offs. It's because of our housing costs, because of rent. Usually mm -hmm. that's what people prioritize. They do put a, a roof over their head. Mm -hmm. But then the next thing that drops off is health. So whether that means eating healthy, which costs more money, mm -hmm. um, or going to the doctor, paying for a therapist once a week. So um, I think that there's higher trade-offs here because of the cost of living, and that, that does make it harder. And, yeah, so then what are you deciding? I mean, you can live a little cheaper down Valley, and then all your time is going toward commuting, mm -hmm. so then you lose some purpose there. You're deciding to, to live in Aspen and spend all your money on rent, but you're having to give up um, any time to go on the mountain, which is where you got your purpose anyway. Right. So um, I do think that the, the cost of living, the cost burden, digs away at that purpose mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is why it's so silly to me when, someone, when people say, don't build anymore, don't make it easy to come here, everyone would do this. Like, it's not, that's hard. It is very hard to sacrifice your your life in order uh -huh. to live here. Right. And I don't know that many people would choose uh, on purpose to spend 52 weeks cost burden. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I mean, it, uh, I, I, it's really interesting because I've known people who have moved away for, the, for all these reasons. And like they're gone for three months and then they move back. Yeah. 
the yard didn't quite because it, it's like okay, so I've got yard. so I moved to mm. so I moved to Fort Collins, I moved to Loveland, or I moved to Nebraska, or I moved to wherever. Yeah. And it's like I've got a yard. And I've got, it's like, but it's not Aspen. It's not the same. It's not. I don't get. I don't get that vibe when I get up, and it's. I don't have that exciting feeling. I don't. I don't. I want to see what the day brings. You know, it's not, and um, and there's a there's an aspect of that. There's an and there's an extroverted ax, uh, uh, mm. element to that, I think, as well. I mean, this is a town that is kind of built for extroverts, you know. And I'm not really an extrovert; I'm kind of an <laughs> introvert. But um, uh, uh, just a guy with a TV. Turn it on when the cameras come out. Right. Wow, it's <laughs> a guy with the but, bright lights and the cameras. <laughs> I think that speaks to the urbanization, though. Um, I I still think we live in rural. Sorry, I still think we live in rural America because I can't buy socks within a four-hour drive. You know, I, I still think it's if I want a cheeseburger, you Amazon know, like Amazon Prime. Is it, I yeah, that's a whole nother. Let's do an issue on Amazon there's Prime. A whole nother level. I've had it for thirty days in my whole life, and I'm quitting it today. I can't stand it. But I I think that rural nature. You ha then you do rely on. The, who, who did you ran, run into in the grocery store? And you have to be extroverted enough that you'll say hello to every acquaintance you've ever met every so time you walk out really the door. It's really interesting because I don't think of Aspen as rural. Oh, my gosh. I think of it as small-town <laughs> urban. Okay. Because, um, I mean, I've, I've, I've lived and I've got family in rural America and I've, you know, grown up, I've, I've spent time on the family farm. Right. And, and um, uh, you know, I've, I've, my brother lives in a rural town in, in western Iowa. And... Um, and there's, I think that, that there are rural areas very nearby, but I think of I think of Aspen as kind of a small town urban environment. Well, and I, I would probably disagree with Allison respectfully that I I think we might be geographically rural, uh -huh. but I think as a community we're global. I mean the the, the things and the people and what comes yeah. through here is really a big picture. Right. We might be geographically urban, but uh, rural, but this community is really global. It's uh, a beautiful I, combination of the culture. I mean, the the intellectual yeah, like hub that, yeah. uh, that that's we why get. we moved here. That's, that's why, exactly why with we moved the rural here. feeling. I mean, yeah, I, with the, that, I agree exactly. with that completely. You go in exactly. any one mile outside of Aspen in any direction. You don't have internet. You don't have cell service. There's medical procedures that you cannot get anywhere near here. I mean, I mm -hmm. think there are a lot of things that is rural living and and the small town life i guess i right. think of it as just like we have one mercantile shop and you're going to see everyone there and it's kind of right. a it's got everything from makeup to medicine right. <laughs> like right. uh so i yeah but but i, I think that we're not like honky tonk like we're not um we have don't the culture name a community it won't get you you won't you won't get very far if you name we're, another yeah town. we're not maybe i don't even know the right words like classic or or um what are the words for like little behind in culture we're, we're absolutely at the forefront and, and an international hub i agree with that yeah and then but we also get greed attached to that absolutely if you, if you move up castle creek road you don't have wi-fi and then somebody who bought their mega home there is now really angry that they can't get connected to wi-fi Right. And is that that's a part of greed wait a minute i could get this anywhere else why can't i get it here cuz you can't yeah because we're intentionally rural in that right. component. Right. I use I used uh, when I was thinking about this show the word entitlement kept coming up in mm. my mind. So the I, it's my least favorite trait of anything. I could I deserve this. And I think entitlement and greed maybe go together more hand in hand than ambition and greed. Right. Mm. Well, certainly here there's that dimension, right? And there's um, you have so many governmental programs as well that kind of substitute for free market 
um, availability, accessibility, and other communities. Um, the, I think that plays a role um, in setting expectations for what I should be able to have if I live here compared to somewhere else. Um, uh, housing being housing. one of those. Um, the the access to, um, I mean, you know, even a, a ski pass here, even at like the Acura rate for whatever it is, is now $1,500 or something like that, super early to ski here. I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, that's tremendously low price for a year-round ski, for a premier ski pass at one of the finest ski resorts in the world. And so there, so I think that might play a role. And then, and then that, and that, that entitlement around the kind of the almost the what you might call the poser intention mentality. Mm. You know, the, I, I see all this wealth around me, and I want to try and be that. That's I've never related to. I mean, I, I've seen it, but it's really that, that is classically odd to me. That it people is, it's wanna, very unique. Want to emulate be something they're not in a town where we all know you're not. You know, right. m most of us, once again, I keep using Allison, she comes all Gucci'd out and stuff. I'm going to go, who are you trying to kid? Right, right. You're writing, you are writing for a newspaper. I know you're posing. You would arrest me immediately. Right. You know, so, I saw it because it was crazy. But posing to nobody. Everyone could see through yeah. that charade. And, you know, just to change topics for a second is, you know, when I was coming here, and my friends and I were talking about this a few weeks ago, when did Aspen change? from when did we become so glitzy and glamorous, okay? Mm. I moved here in 1980. I do not remember wealth, glitz, glamour, anything like that. What I remember is uh, a lot of locals trying to keep the place alive with visitors that came in. It wasn't the, the excess of wealth. You saw celebrities right. who would come here and envy you. Yeah. They'd say, I live in LA, I wish I could just be the ski bum that you are, live in this environment. So then we, we tracked it down to about the mid-90s maybe, okay. mid to late 90s is when I think we started seeing wealth, mm. real okay. wealth come in here. And now, you know, we've got our share of billionaires, so it's yeah, only gone up. Um, but I don't know what tipped it in 19 mid-90s that went from... Yeah, just a bunch of ski bums making it, and we're here to make you happy. And yeah, it costs money to get here, but we still had the little red ski house, and you could stay here for seventy-five dollars a night or whatever right. it might have been. Uh -huh. And all that's gone, and that evaporated when wealth came in, and maybe greed. Um, but it wasn't always this way in my lifetime. So I know right. there was uh, quiet years, if you will, uh -huh. in Aspen in the last twenty-five or thirty years. It yeah. wasn't always. My recollection, not always known, glitz, glamour, money. Right. It wasn't. And I, I think it's got to be attached to the perceived value of property mm -hmm. and, ha and, and access to that. And property is an investment. Because there's a, you know, the, and I don't want to get too wonky, but, you know, the, the, there's a, um, a long-term index called the Case-Shiller Index. And it was started in the 18, it, it goes back to the, it wasn't started in the 1890s, it goes back to the 1890s. It measures median home value in the United States for the last 120 years. And between 1890 and 1990, the median home value in the United States adjusted for inflation increased, how much do you think it increased? Between 1890, 10% over 100 years, over a century. Between 1990 and the Great Recession of 2007, it increased, I think, like 195%. There you go. 
and there were some changes that were made in terms of re regulatory changes made in terms of financial markets, how you can loan money, how you can uh, access property through debt. Um, there, were, there were a lot of changes, a lot of creativity came out of the 90s, a lot of um, uh, additional aspects to the opportunity for wealth building gener in a general sense, I think, on the debt side. Um, and uh, that might have it had an impact in places, not just here, but worldwide. And it may have that may have had that may have been one thing. And and I, I think it and I, and you know I think it's just a great place too. I mean, you know, if you're you know as uh, as uh, people who are, uh, I mean, and, and I think that 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 initial start, the '70s and the '80s that you described, I think that sowed the seeds of interest in Aspen and made and kind of created the brand as this unique getaway place that was special and unique and genuine and real and you can go there and you can be part of that and and then everybody came here to be part of that and then because everybody came here it's not that anymore. Kind and of the, the, the minute somebody's $200,000 home became a million dollar home is when it started to tip. From there it, it, it's no stopping it now. Right, yeah. So. So how do we help people who are struggling with this? First step is admitting it. You have to admit First step, you're greedy. It's like a 12-step admit Right, you have to admit you're greedy. Admit you're greedy. No. So. But I think I'm greedy in, in some ways. There's some things in my life I may be, I don't know if it's greedy or selfish maybe. Okay. Is there, there might be a big difference between greedy and selfish, but um, I don't know how we change. The, I, don't, I don't know that we can change it. Well, there's an element of human nature that you, I mean, that, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is the, is the, you know, the thing that everybody kind of turns to as the kind of the foundational baseline for how people look at themselves. If you, you know, you, everything, and that, that's very, I mean, uh, uh, you know, it's a very old school psychology, right? Um, that uh, everything drives back to your own needs. And, uh, and, and if your individual needs, the more your, your individual needs are met, the more self-actualized you can be and the more you can kind of step outside yourself and see the needs of others and be more um, understanding and more kind of globally minded in how you look at the world. Um, and that's going to be different for everybody. So uh, is, do we attract a certain kind of people here who, who have insatiable needs to, for themselves? I don't think so. That's not what I see. I mean, to your point, there's a lot of there's more nonprofits in this valley than there is anywhere else on the planet, which is it, it, and some of them might do better, be better off in other places where they could be used more, where it could be more effective, right? So, I mean, if yeah. you uh, and I don't know so. if those are <laughs> nonprofits to be benevolent or are they shelters for greed. Well, there's, I mean, well, there's a lot of it. Or a source for purpose. Well, I think once you get purpose. so much money, there's people who are like, well, what I'm going to do is start a nonprofit. You know, I think a lot of the single person has started a nonprofit to uh -huh. give back to the cause because what else are they going to do with yeah. their time? They have mm -hmm. more than and enough. pay themselves a salary. Well, that's where, <laughs> that's where the scheme factor comes yeah. in. Is there kind of a scheme to some of this? Well, there's a lot. There's some. Know. Why would you go to work every day and? In order to pay yourself a salary, if you already have the well, money. Well, this is why. <laughs> well, I would never. Well, it, you know, it's an illusion to yeah. make it look like you're one yeah. of us. <laughs> well, the you know that's the enlightened self-interest argument. The I mean, but it also it always it all comes back to you know, um, nonprofit services are good. They fill in the gaps. They bridge they bridge the gaps. But fundamentally, you know, is commerce is the, the, it really the answer? I mean, is there to to solving problems of uh, and is a certain amount of greed. A necessary or even a even an ex, a to be expected 
off, uh, you know, kind of a side cost of um, of commerce that will generate the jobs and create the the lift people out of poverty in a way that um, uh, is really beneficial because because th that's where you really create wealth and where you really create those opportunities. I mean, Jeff Bezos made his money by building a business that in a way that nobody ever thought of before that is really valuable and people use it all the time. And so all those jobs he created, all the people that get it, that he pays salaries to, that have mortgages, you know, that have kids going to college, that are going on vacations, that are donating themselves to nonprofits, all of that comes from, comes, a lot of it comes from those billionaires, right? So, um, you know, is Venezuela really a better option than that? And, that, and that's an extreme, and I, I don't like extreme options, but they work well on television. So, you know, are, so are, are extreme comparisons. Are we assuming that all really wealthy people are greedy? I think maybe we are, and I don't want to do that. Yeah, I would be on your side. Of yeah, mm -hmm. I don't want to, I mean, because we're just talking about Jeff Bezos. Yes, he's created tens of thousands of jobs for people. I, I don't know that he's greedy or not, but I don't, I want to be careful not to attach greed and wealth. Mm -hmm. I think there are greedy, wealthy people. And greedy and poor are, people. And greedy, greedy and, like I said, I could be greedy wealthy. with my time. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you know, I don't, I, there, there's greedy poor people. So if you're looking for a solution, I think I have to, you know, the, the people who are visiting, because this is already where their second or third or fourth home is, that's way above Maslow's hierarchy. You need one shelter, Maslow says. You know, According when to you're you. when you're on your no, to, like the to as a human in this philosophy, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, shelter is one of the absolute inherent ones. Right. But you need one. So if you already have the fourth of something that every human needs one of, then you maybe are more inclined to also need the fourth snowmobile, the fourth steak dinner, the fourth yeah. whatever. Um, again, I would call that our visitors. I, I'm very protective of our locals who I, I don't think on a whole are greedy. So I think if we say there's greed in Aspen, it, it would be really hard for me to come around to, to say that that is Aspenites who are being greedy. So I don't know that there's a, a fix needed except for maybe that envy, that, that um, jealousy right. that we see. Well, I mean, the premise is, is that it's not the locals that are greedy. Okay. It's, that, it's that the locals are being exploited by the greedy outsiders who right. come in here and, and, and capture all the wealth and value and, um, and drive the way the community works. Mm. And, um, and you become subservient, uh, and you become to, them subservient to them and you become their serfs. because of a checkbook. To, right. Yeah, and to your right. point, they, you know, you're, the flight attendant is treated like a servant mm -hmm. that's right. um, rather than a person. And, um, uh, and that's, that's real. I mean, that really does happen here. It happens not just here, but it happens here and it happens a lot of other places. And it does affect people's psyches and how they it feel. It could cause themselves. resentment towards yeah. the guy with the luggage. Right. You know, and mm -hmm. it is how we make our living. Yeah. You know, without any of these people, we do not survive. So how was it back in the day before you saw all these rich people here though then? We were f our fine little I really don't, I, you know, I have to tell you the truth. I really don't remember having a hard time finding a place to live, you know. Right. Um, I, I don't remember glitzy, glamorous cars, you know. It's it's hard to throw a snowball without Except hitting a Range Rover, Cadillac, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, and uh, or a Bentley weekend, you know. <laughs> when those Bentleys come in here every summer, it's, right. I, it's a head scratcher to me. Right. Um, <laughs> so you didn't have that. You didn't see it. Yeah. Um, it, it just didn't feel that way 
and and like I said, as soon as a, a lot of the big name realtors today that we know, older white dudes, mm -hmm. I came here with, they were nail pounders. Somewhere, like I said, in 1994 or mid 90s, somebody sold the first million dollar home, and those guys went right towards it. And from there, it, there was no stopping it. Mm -hmm. Right. That's when I think it switched from, wait a minute, I don't have to hit these nails anymore. I just have to show that home. And, and those people fill out, the paperwork. fill out the paperwork, and it became a real estate-driven economy. Mm -hmm. But it's, it, granted, number one is tourism. But real estate is a big part of this mm -hmm. community, and it's where the money is. So that's where it might have tipped over, yeah. is um, yeah. when home prices went, became right. unattainable. Yeah. So we're we got a little bit of time left in our hour. Um, how can we? How can you help people? There's another quick video I want to show real quick, if that's okay. It goes through kind of the five problems with greed. It gives a chance for you to talk about how people. There's can. that many. I thought there's only like one. Greed is an intense and selfish desire to have more, and whether it's at home or at work or on a team or in your own life, greed will destroy you. Here are five problems that come with greed. Number one, jealousy. Greed will make you jealous because you'll always be comparing yourself to the people around you and there's always gonna be someone who has more than you. Now maybe you'll have more than a lot of other people but there's always that one person that's got more than you and you're gonna be shooting for that person and gunning for that person so you're inevitably going to be jealous if you're greedy. Number two, dishonesty. See, if you're a greedy person, at some point, you're gonna end up cheating and stealing to get more of what you want. Now, maybe right now you're saying, no, there's no way, I'm a little greedy, but I'm not dishonest. Well, you just wait. Number three, shallow relationships. See, a jealous, dishonest person is gonna put himself or herself around people who are just gonna help them, and those are by definition shallow relationships. They're not gonna last very long. So greedy people end up being alone and miserable for the rest of their lives. Number four, lack of focus. See, greedy people a lot of times start out with a great sense of mission and direction and vector in their life. But over time, greed just sort of overtakes a person and you lose your focus. Because if you're focused on your money or getting more, you can't also focus on the true mission of your life or your business. I mean, you can only focus on one thing. You can only make one thing your God. And inevitably, if you're greedy, getting more is gonna be your God. And number five, dissatisfaction. See, the greedy person at the end of the day is a dissatisfied person because by definition, greed is this intense and selfish desire to get more. Well, so just listen to that and think about that. If that's your goal, if that's your desire, you just want to get more and more and more and more, you'll never get there. You'll never be satisfied. And those are five problems with greed. Now, maybe you can think of some more, but why don't you use those resources below to talk about this with your mentor or your team? That was actually really good. So it's interesting, I think. We talked a lot about jealousy and dishonesty, lack purpose, lack, you know, we talked mm. about that, um, and dissatisfaction. We really didn't hit much on the relationships in our conversation. And, you know, um, I'm interested in your guys' thoughts on um, relationships with people in Aspen because I've had both ends of the spectrum. I've made lifelong friends here that I 
can't imagine you know having a life without and i've had and i've and i've had relationships with people that are exclusively transactional and um and it's more acute here. It's the same other places. You see it other places. But, I, but I've seen both sides. And that one, it's interesting that that didn't come up in the conversation previously. I'm interested in your guys' thoughts on that. Go, Allison. Yeah, I think we've got some, like, grifters and swindlers and people who, uh, some smooth talkers. It kind of makes me think of more of, like, that Wild West etiquette, like the tradesman, trade mm -hmm. post. Um, I've, I've seen that here in, t in places I have not in ways I haven't in other places. Uh -huh. um, people who know how to, hey, I'll, I'll help you. What I, yeah, um, I think of it a lot with like the dudes who are like loading their, I, I'm gonna just use snowmobiles this entire time. Go like, they need someone to help load their trailer <laughs> and they'll help you load someday, but actually I was tired on my day and so I scored more than he did uh -huh. in that trade. I think uh -huh. there are some transactions, even among locals here, um, that is a, a bummer and almost a craft. <laughs> it is. A, I, I think it is almost a craft. Um, I think you're right. So, and, and it leads back to the, like the shallow relationship. Um, it leads, I think, to me, back to purpose and back to um, the health and mental health aspects that you, mm -hmm. if that's the only way you're relating though to people, it's, right. it's, it's devastating. I mean, like I've, I've gone to like events when I was at the city and, you know, you go to an event at the Institute and the person who's running the event, you know, you, you want to, I was the city's finance director, so you try and develop relationships with people in the community, and you know, and, when, and you, there's the classic handoff. It's like, hi, Paul, how you doing? Have you met so and so? <laughs> and then they hand you off to that person, and then they're they all, go. then they're gone, <laughs> and and that that's happened to me many times. And um, it's like, oh, okay, now I know that this is a transactional discussion. Mm. And I don't know how much of that is just business and what they have to do, or how much of it is who they are. You know, in those in those moments, but I've seen seen that a lot more here than other places. Joey, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, my my friends here are such a wide variety hmm. of people, and I get accused of having uh, uh, crazy, wacky friends. But I've got a lot of people who have nothing, and a lot of people who have too much or right. a lot. Right. Probably too much. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think I'm savvy enough to kind of disregard the transactional relationships. I think I know when they're happening and to kind of get away from them. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I think that, you know, the spectrum is what I live in. I don't want to be on any one side too much. I, I mean, you want to stay balanced in your relationships. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was interesting when he's not when, pursue those people that are just exactly. You know, yeah. you know, you know who they are. I, yeah. I, I have little tolerance for that. And that's you really, know? and, that, and that, that's probably yeah. adds to a lot of these other issues. And that's know? a pitfall in my yeah. my work. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, believe me, if you, whether you're a celebrity or the local sheriff, yeah. or maybe even the host of your own show, or a newspaper rep reporter who could be quite influential. You will know yeah. when there's smoke up your ass. Yeah. You know what it feels like. And you, so I try and stay away from yeah. those. And, you know, watching that video when, when he said somebody always has more. Mm -hmm. yeah. You think Bill Gates ever sits there and somebody goes, you know, somebody always has more. And he goes, actually, no. <laughs> actually, no. No, no actually, I pretty yeah, much have it all. all. <laughs> well, this, is, yeah. this has been great, guys. Um, we're going to wrap it up now. I think we're getting, into, we're getting close to the end. But... Uh, any last thoughts before we before we wrap it up? Thirty seconds each. 
I have no last thoughts. No last thoughts. I, I, I yield my time to Allison because <laughs> that seems to be Allison. very appropriate these days to I, yield your time. I don't think that uh, greed is going to get our local community anywhere. I think ambition, I think everyone agreeing that we're okay with what we have and a lot of what we have is natural uh, and we'll be here way longer than we are. Wow. And we'll never attain a mountain. You know, right. um, I think there's, a, there's definitely a societal conversation we could have to make those who are here and feel that they're chasing um, teach them that they don't even have to be in that race. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's also something to be said for ambition, and I think that we have some crafty people here, and that will always be around, and, and just awesome. wanting to share and um, not more, not want more than you can take is, is where we're at. And I, like and I will uh, take an opportunity to add on to that, is that, um, you know, this is my home. It's yes. It's been for a long time. I don't think we could go without saying that I think we're talking about greed, and I think it's a minority yeah. in where we live. I think by far the majority of the people in this town are not greedy. In fact, some are so generous, and, and those are regular yeah. folk. Um, but I think we're talking about a small slice of this population, and that probably goes by for nationally. I think, in, at least in this community, I think we are full, full of really good people. And the greedy ones, like you said, you recognize them and stay away from them. Yep. Sheriff, I think yep. they should, yeah, maybe they should wear name tags. Maybe they should. <laughs> Sheriff Joe DeSalvo. Thank you. Allison Bechtish, Aspen Daily News. And uh, the upload. upload. Listen, subscribe. Listen to the upload. Subscribe to the upload. Um, I'm Paul Mentor. This is Think for a Change. We're out. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.